I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program. Welcome, everyone, to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. We record our episodes live in Allspace every week, and you can join us from your PC or VR headset, plug into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today we cover I Expect You to Die 2, the sequel to the popular escape room game from Shell Games. This version, you again become an elite super spy, deeper espionage, explosives, and gadgets. You have to solve the puzzles and stop the cunning villains before they succeed in world domination. Joining us to break down the game is Council of the Wise member, Futurosity. Welcome back, Futurosity. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> hey! I feel like you, we, I don't even... You don't even need to say welcome back anymore. You're you're here every episode. You're like you're like our uh, it's like number one, engaged number one. <laughs> you're you take care of so many things uh, with you know behind the scenes and camera. So uh, we appreciate you being here. And you know now we get to have you back on the stage. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much. This will be a fun one. Yeah. So I wonder. You know, I'm just curious. How does it? What do you prefer? Do you prefer to be on the stage, and how does it feel to be off the stage, behind the scenes? Which do you like better, or how does it feel different? Oh, I always have fun on stage. It's just like you know, yeah. old friends meeting up in VR, and we get a chance to geek out over fun stuff. Can't complain. Totally. Absolutely cool. Um, cool. Well, we've got uh, some other fans of I Expect You to Die here, JP and uh, Rom G and. Felicimo's taking a little nap over there. Amiri's here as well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, let's just uh, let's just dive right into it uh, with uh, the overall thoughts. So, um, you know, in general, did you, by the way, did you ever play I Expect You to Die 1 or is this your first foray? This was my very first experience with the game. I read up a little bit about the first one because it came out maybe about five years ago. So I, I felt like I missed out. But Overall, I feel like this is a great extension from what they originally started. Yeah, yeah. This is so. This is like, you know, this is like episode. I think this is episode seventy-four or seventy-five that we're doing right now. And episode eight, we actually covered uh, the original game. So if you guys wanted to hear about the original game, check out episode eight. But we're going to talk about the sequel now. Um, okay. So overall thoughts. What did what did you think of this one being your first foray? Well, I, I've been interested in these new VR experiences as far as, you know, touching objects and playing with physics. And this game is a great example of, you know, some of the best uses of virtual reality and finding that space, you know, that spatial connection where you say, hey, this object, I could touch it, I could eat it, I could drink it, I could throw it. Um, that's one of my favorite parts about this game. It's felt like this is a little world of its own, great visuals, and hey, if you see it, you could touch it most likely, and it might do something interesting. Right. So, you know, that is that brings up sort of my the thing I loved about this game, and the thing I, I was a, a little bit disappointed with in the sense that um, it's really fun, it's super addictive, and I always want to go back in and like beat the puzzle and figure it out, and like I kind of get like really addicted. But I find I thought that this was like a little bit like. Gen 1 VR. So it's like the game, the first game was made like seven years ago or something. I guess it wasn't made, it was started to be developed seven years ago and then it came out a couple of years ago. Then I feel like this one feels like that first generation VR game where seven years ago this was like cutting edge and now it's just kind of like 
sequel to the first part, but they didn't add any technology. They didn't really add anything in terms of development of um, you know what you can do and capabilities and things like that. So I feel like in one way, it was like a return to a game that I loved and I really appreciate it. But on another hand, it didn't really push gaming forward. It didn't really push the envelope in terms of VR. And it kind of felt like this was like the last gen <laughs> of VR. And now after you play like we did Saints and Sinners and you play Half-Life Alex and then all of that, that, that gives you so much more. But but I still do appreciate this. So I think that's where I sit on this. It's kind of like a lot of things I love about it. Some of the things I was like, well, I wish, I kind of wish they had like pushed and gone a little bit further in their original idea. Yeah, I agree with that in many ways, because to me, it felt like um, a VR toy more than a game at times where I thought is the fun from just tinkering with objects and seeing how they interact or is the fun also the discovery and solving puzzles? Because it felt very much that I would discover things not really by, you know, trying hard is more by mistake. And so I always wonder, hey, is a puzzle really a well-designed puzzle if I discover the answer by happenstance instead of by logic? That was one thing I felt during the playthrough. It just felt like, okay, this is a fun toy. There were a couple of things missing, that depth I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, it's a really good point that it's like you have to, it's sort of a trial and error game where you, you can't go through the game never die. Like you've got to sort of do the wrong things first before you can figure out and do the right thing. So that's definitely a, a good point. By the way, if anyone else had any thoughts that they want to share or anything, let us know, Ram G or Ryan or Tencho. Uh, just use the raise hand option and we will uh, call on you through every section there. Whoa, hey, what? What? look at Rancho's right up Chencho. How'd you get up here? What's oh, wow. Surprise. Right <laughs> Surprise. How did you do that? How did he get me past the uh, the stage blocker? It's like it's magic. Oh How's wow! Admin rights. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Um, all right. Well, let's go on to the uh, the next section here. And uh, if anyone has any thoughts, they're just uh, let us know. Okay. So diving into the plot. Um, did you think of the? What did you think of the plot? I think of this as more of a story game in many ways. It reminded me of an old-fashioned radio play of sorts. I mean, it was timeless in nature. You can tell it's this 50s-ish, 60s-ish. Um, overall, it felt like, hey, you're following standard formula of the spy tropes from 1960s and 70s. I mean, we're looking at Mission Impossible and 007, James Bond. Uh, it, it borrowed heavily from all those. So the overall plot, it, it fit the big picture. You know, evil corporation, Zoraxis is trying to dominate the world, and they're using various you know, thespians as a front to, you know, do some evil deeds. So it very much reminded me of the plot of classic movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when we played the first one, it was like I was shocked that actually they didn't get sued by James Bond's like, <laughs> like, oh, IP. yeah, like it's literally James Bond. Like it's, you know, everything but the the shot and the da-na, da-na. But every, I mean, I expect you to die is even a line from a James Bond villain. So there's no no question uh, about that. So yeah, you're you're basically um, a super spy who escaped uh, Zaraxxus in the first one and you're put, he, no one knows you're alive. So you're put undercover, deep undercover again to go and sort of, uh, uh, you know, figure out, stop the plot of whatever he's doing this time. The fun thing I liked about this plot, though, is that they had fun with 
sort of like the that Shakespeare thing, all the world's a stage. Like they really took that to an interesting level where you have this character played by Will Wheaton, who is this actor, this uh, Juniper guy, right? And he's a world famous actor and he's kind of your man on the inside. But you know, like they really cast Will Wheaton if there wasn't going to be some kind of a twist. By the way, there's going to be a few spoilers, guys. So hopefully everyone uh, who is here has played the game and uh, anyone listening uh, to the podcast, uh, please do be aware that, you know, stop now, go play the game. It doesn't take that long. How many nights did it take you to finish this? It only took me like three nights. I just played a little bit at a time and then time added up. Suddenly I realized, ooh, it's been about four hours or so, or maybe five hours the first run through because I died so many times. But right. you know, there's that, that that balance between frustration and fun. It reminded me of like a roguelike game where you know you're dying over and over again, learning how to get through a gauntlet of enemies. But in this case, there wasn't the randomization. So there was multiple deaths, but no randomization to change up the scenario. It was more of trial and error. Okay, I died this point. Let me try again. See how far I can go before I accidentally die from poison dart or you know poison smoke. There was always something terrible. Even a poison sandwich at one point did me in. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, um, uh, just to just to to go back to the idea of the, the theater thing, I I think that the, so Will Wheaton's character obviously there's a twist, right? If he is like not some baby that you can trust, so everything is everything is misleading and everything is a is a, a trick and a, a theatrical performance to uh, sort of disguise the true uh, plan of what's. I really like that about it. Um, the fact that you start in a theater. Uh, and it's sort of this evil theater. And then um, actually my favorite part was when you go back to the sort of waiting room where you are trained in order to go on your quests, trained how to be a super spy and how to use your mechanics of the game. And you discover that it was actually just a set and you burn down the set and behind it is all of these mechanisms of destruction. And I thought that was really clever. That they were taking the idea of where you started with the game, what's happening? I'm not, I'm very, you can be hey. here too. I guess there's, I guess there's something wrong with the stage blockers today. Um, oh no. In any case, um, I, I really like that element of it. That they really play with the meta quality of the game where it's like reality is not what you think it is and everything is an illusion and everything is a, a theatrical performance and you are uh, the patsy basically. I thought that was really fun. Oh, you're very right about the Patsy element. It definitely felt like, hey, I can't trust anything. Any object is potentially deadly. You know, there is no trust factor. You know, you just have your friendly, you know, guide. Of, it was kind of like Basil Exposition from the Austin Powers movie, kind of guiding yeah. you step by step. You know, sometimes giving you hints every once in a while. Or even better, I like the fact that the hint element would kind of get toned down. After you die a certain amount of times, the little guy doesn't pipe in as much. You know, it's kind of like the game is allowing you to solve it on your own, which I actually like that part. Uh, yeah, totally. And I like the fact that the, the entire game is built around this mask that creates uh, this face fake voice. And you know, all of this stuff sort of is is like they using technology to create the perfect uh, foil for the super uh, the super spy. Like. You know, they, they're able to change their voice and change their face and all that kind of stuff through the through the mask. So that's how we 
it's understand that your your team may not even be your team because they can be uh, the voice can be transformed uh, uh, to something else. So that's kind of neat. Oh yeah, um, it's like having an unreliable narrator in a story. You know, you, right. you follow the narrator, and that's kind of the purpose that you know the assistants would have. You know, they're like, hey, we're going to guide you through. We're going to tell you how to use these telekinesis gloves to grab objects. So you build this trust, but at the same time, you realize, ooh. Anyone could be the bad guy, which I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect where I'm not sure. I'm like, am I being guided into another trap? Is the, although that's quote unquote helping me actually sending me to my doom. So there, I think that aspect was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I like all that. I like the mimic mask. I like uh, I like the element. I, and, you know, the locations they use are always super fun, too. Like you're in this chalet in the Alps and then you're in this castle and then you're, you know, uh, in the wine cellar trying to uh, Use the, um, <laughs> the the security cams to, to sort of foil the bad guy and stuff like that. So there was a lot of really uh, fun locations and fun things. Um, so yeah, all in all, I thought the plot was really fun. And of course, it's just like going to mass destruction in the end. But uh, with the nukes going off and you got to stop the nukes and all that, super fun. Uh, but I thought they really did a good job with the plot. There was just enough to keep me interested and engaged, but not enough to sort of bog down. Um, of the game. But I thought they have a really good balance there. Oh, I agree with that. The voice acting is the key. The voice acting helped give us, you know, an efficient storytelling tool because in some games, do you ever have a game where there's too much talking or sometimes too little? This one felt like it was nice balance where, you know, hey, we're going to give you a setup, get overhear conversations, maybe put on a pair of headphones and you're part of the enemy's, you know, radio broadcast. So you can kind of listen to what they're saying over the radio. Um, or even sometimes you would have a, a rando within, like you know, within the area comment about things. Let's say you drop an object right. and it falls outside of your reach. You'll sometimes hear some of the enemies who are patrolling say, "Hey, what's this?" So it, it did feel like you know it's a very lived-in, fun world. Totally, yep. absolutely. And uh, yeah, if, if Lonnie or uh, Lost Wild or anyone had any thoughts uh, or comments on the game, just uh, let us know. I will just uh, keep diving forward here so gameplay so the gameplay is is, is rather interesting because it, it deliberately um makes you stay in one location and they come up with a clever device to be able to have you in a sense move around the location and that is you've got telekinesis and so you can pick up items you can draw them towards you you can push them away from you you can make them hover in space uh next to you and I think what that allows is for a comfortable gameplay. You're 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 sitting in your seat, and you don't all, all the puzzle is right before you. You don't have to go journeying into a world to find the clues to the puzzle. It's all right before you. And once you lock part A, then you then that will unlock part B, and that will unlock part C. And you know there's some kind of a, a comfort and a simplicity to the fact that you know that everything is right in front of you. All the answers are right there. You don't have to go out and journey for something. So there's a benefit to that. Did you, what did you, did you think that was a good or a bad thing about the game? I have to give a little pushback because when it comes to the seated experience, it, you know, there's that balance between comfort. You know, you don't want people to get motion sick. This is definitely designed to be a lighter game for new people to VR. So I understand that fact. But at times I felt a little limited because I'm stuck in the seat and sometimes I had to like turn my neck just a little outside of my range of motion to see what's near me on the side, on the left or right. Um, or I drop an object. My natural instinct is to reach forward to grab it instead of using the telekinesis. So at times, 
I actually wanted to move around a little bit more because since it's a limited space and it's designed to be an escape room, I'm like, well, this is a small room, you know, no more than like 20 feet, three feet square or whatever. So at times I would want to like reach over and just walk about two steps just to open a door, to, you know, learn a little bit more, find a discovery. Um, but I understand they, they went for the comfort versus, you know, you know, full motion gameplay. I understand they made that choice, but at times I, I did feel a little limited. Um, I, I constantly reset my camera because at times I lean a little too forward or I lean back too much. It, it felt like I was losing track, like the chair I'm imaginarily sitting in suddenly, you know, jump forward a couple inches and I realized, oh, now objects are out of reach. So I, it's a balance. I mean, I understand why they did it, but at times it got in the way of the fun. For me. But overall, yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, no, for me, I, I, I agree. I feel like this is one of those elements of like N1 VR gaming where you are locked into like only a certain capacity of memory or, or, or what the game could do. And now we've gone so far beyond that with these massive games that you can go and explore. And so it's like, you, you got to wonder like, well, what if for two of this, you know, they had allowed us to be locked into a room, but you could walk around the room and check out things and pull on levers instead of having the telekinesis. I mean, maybe that would have been a, a way to expand the the game just enough to feel like it's a noble attempt at moving the VR game forward. You know what I mean? Oh, even teleportation, like the basic teleportation we do in alt space. You know, I think that is a, a decent way to get around within a small space. It's doesn't make you feel jarring or in any way. It doesn't throw you off. It does make you sick. Because at times, I just want to have a little more motion. I want to be able to do a full 360 within the space and explore and find more clues. At times, it felt like, give me all the clues. And I have to kind of sort through them out of order to try to resolve the puzzle. That didn't work as well for me. I would have preferred to, hey, you know what? There's a secret book I could grab that can you know, open up a secret passageway. Well, it's a little weird doing telekinesis grab something like that for afar versus walking over to the bookshelf and ooh, look at this and pulling it towards me uh, I, I didn't feel that much immersion that was my main issue with the game uh, it, it's like i you know you can't blame a, a company because their, their first game was very successful and then this game like first day it made a million dollars in sales or something so it's a very successful model I always go back to like my childhood or something and it's like, okay, from Super Mario 1 to Super Mario 2 to Super Mario 3 or something like that, it's like every game was leaps and bounds better than the previous game. And it just felt like, wow, this is like a revolutionary franchise. And I feel like this kind of stagnated a little bit where they kind of, I don't know if it's a cash in on like all the work and in, in development they did on the first one, but they didn't, I don't feel like they spent more money to uh r and d a, a new method of play but 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 I'm not blaming the company for that. I think they do an incredible job and i, I they know how to make a fun game um but it, yeah that's that is my one sort of uh one criticism i guess drawback yeah I, after you get into the groove things and it feels natural it's just that, that learning curve where you just think, oh well, I played other games, I should be able to do this, and then you hit that barrier and realize what you can or cannot do. Um, it's, it's a minor issue. It didn't mess up my experience. It was more of, hey, you know, first 30 minutes or so, it was a little awkward. That's the best way to describe it. And then I got used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, because the games are so the the the, the riddles and the puzzles are so fun. And the world is so fun that you just kind of you, you become involved in it. Uh, at least I did, and I always uh, kept going back for more. But um, just like the first game, I don't know if I will be revisiting it as often. You know, like once you finish it and figure out the puzzles, and really uh, you're kind of done. And like you said, it be, in the end of the day, it took me probably three nights. Also, maybe I spent an hour or two each night. So you know, in the end of the day, you're spending maybe five to ten hours on this game, and then that's it. And uh, yeah, that's a bit of a shame. It would be nice to be able to explore the worlds a little bit more. And as a matter of fact, you know, you, you, we were talking about um, this, a sequel aspect of it. This almost feels like an extension to the original. Like you know how some games. Uh, like for example, Demio, which we covered, as the first level they release, but then under the same price of the same game, they actually release a level two. This almost felt like next part of the same game as opposed to a whole new game. Yeah, I really hope there's some more downloadable content um, that they offer. Because I'll tell you the truth, the replayability, that was a serious issue for me. Because after I finished it, I mean, hey, it was a fun adventure. I mean, it had some nice peaks and valleys. I mean, the overall story worked for me. And then suddenly I realized, oh, well, you know, some movies are rewatchable infinitely. But when it comes to gameplay experiences, not so much. There's so many new options coming in. So I, I really do hope they add a couple more levels. You know, if they could push this game to maybe like a five-hour experience, you know, if you really know what you're doing, I, I think they'll be a little bit fuller for the price and the value that you get. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, they, I guess what they would say is, well, you can, you can um, find all of the, the awards, those trophies. You can collect the trophies. You can do these funny things. Like you can put this hat on that, you know, bear, Kodiak bear, and then you'll get special points. And then that's when you'll finish every part of the game. But really not compelling enough for me to go back just to find all the trophies. Like, I don't really, you know, care all that much about these trophies. Yeah, I think this will be a great game to share with another person that's new to VR and screencast it to like a TV or an iPad. So that way you can talk them through the game. I, I see that could be another fun way to interact with us a second time. It's like, hey, I can re-experience it through someone else. Um, that, that's been on my mind ever since I finished it. I need to get someone to try my headset and talk them through it. So I think there's other ways to make this more interactive and you know get a little more value out of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know if any of you have played the game, but if you have any comments or any thoughts, Rom G or uh, Dale Freed or Sparkles or uh, Live to Explore, uh, let us know. Use the raise hand option and definitely uh, let us know if, what you thought of the game if you uh, played it. Um, okay, so style. Style, this game is very stylish. It's a low-poly game. It's not like you're playing, you know, a PC uh, Rift game or anything like that. But I, thought, I, I think just like the first game, their style... Um, it, it fits very nicely with the type of game they're trying to play. And it's like, you know, it, it find a way to use that uh, low poly, uh, lower budget uh, quality of, of image and, uh, and graphics to their advantage. And it has that kind of retro-y, you know, you're saying 50s and 60s James Bond feel. And uh, the music is great, and the voice actors are so great. Like Will Wheaton is awesome, but all the other ones are are great as well. They just you can tell that they have a good time with the theatrics of it, and they have the, the fun behind it comes through. I feel like that's all a part of the style. I, I actually particularly like the uh, the new 3D opening that they you you go through. Oh, here, right? It's like 
it's like you're inside a James Bond opening where they're doing the song and you're like going in and then, you know, everything's turning into razors that are coming at you and all that. So it was super cool. Actually, that was one of my favorite moments. I actually replayed the opening sequence a few times. I do love the fact that you have these little cassette tapes that you could plug in to revisit different areas. So I love how you could put in the cassette tape and experience that opening montage because I absolutely love James Bond film. I love Mission Impossible series, the original as well. And just something about revisiting that area. And I think the low poly actually worked better since it's a retro game. It's like, hey, you know what? It, it kind of reminded me of like something like The Incredibles or, you know, something that's like, you know, it's not more rounded and cartoonish and it's time specific. That really worked for me. I mean, even the objects, I mean, they, I thought they're quite beautiful. It's like, I think low poly works very well for VR because if you try to go too photorealistic, it would hit that uncanny valley. You know, suddenly every object will just look a little bit off. Since it was cartoonish, I would just pick up an object and I'm like, hey, this fits the world. It fits the space. So visually, they're extremely consistent. You have to give them credit. I mean, production design, sound design, all the way through it. They really try to keep hard and set to a, a set of standards and rules almost. I love yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you think about it, there you never actually ever see another face. So in the entire, right, everyone is in shadow or just behind a door banging to get in, or they're a bleep on a radar system that you're following through a, a mansion. So, it, or even in the, in the beginning when they're in the theater, they're kind of in the shadow. So I, I love that about it. They, they always find a way to disguise the fact that they have uh, low, low poly, low graphic content, but it, you never, it never catches, it never is a problem. It's always like they, they found a way to make it fun. And it's like, oh, cool. They're in shadow. I love that. See, that's what I was wondering. It's a question of you know style versus limitations that creates a style. I think maybe they were following the same rules from VR from about five years ago, and they just said, hey, well, to keep it consistent with the original game, they decided to do the same. Um, overall, I love the fact that interactions with people, it felt almost more terrifying and I got more anxious because I couldn't see their faces. You just see these like black silhouettes that were, you know, I think they even had like a little red dot or something just to make them look evil. It, it, there was a couple of moments where I actually jumped, you know, where I'm like, oh my goodness, there's someone on the left of me trying to. That I think, yeah, that design really reinforced the experience. Totally. Um, Okay, just curious, uh, what uh, levels did you have the most trouble with? Were there a, by the end, did you cheat? Did you look online and go to Reddit and cheat? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. On the first level, I got a little frustrated because they purposely give you a dud weapon, which I thought was hilarious. You know, you think, hey, I can fire back, I can get the bad guys, and you realize you're essentially, instead of shooting a poison dart, you're shooting a nerf start at the bad right. guys. Totally. That was hilarious because I, I laughed at myself. I'm like, am I an idiot? Why am I Googling and searching online to find a clue when I realized, oh, I didn't kill the bad guy because I literally sent a foam dart at him twice. Like th those kind of discoveries are kind of fun. I mean, the fact that the game tricked me like multiple times with something so simple, that's enjoyable. Totally. So, so the two levels that I had the most trouble with, uh, and, and it's always like when you figure out the answer to the clue, it's like, oh man, it was that simple. Like that's ridiculous. But it took me, it takes so long. Like, okay, so the the first one was um, 
in the hideout with the bear when you are uh, you have to lower yourself down through the lasers. So so simple. You have, you open up the drawers using different um, screwdrivers, and there was a third there was a third screwdriver that was in a drawer that you couldn't open all the way or else it would explode. Um, and so you had oh. to just like open it a little bit. So I got caught on that for like I feel like hours where I was like I knew that that drawer only opened part of the way, but I didn't look inside to see that there was a screwdriver in there. And I swear to God, I, I ransacked that entire place with another screwdriver, and I finally was like, oh my God, it was right there all along. That's ridiculous. You know what? I know exactly what you're talking about. That one moment, because especially when using the telekinesis to grab a small object from within a drawer, it was really awkward because it would highlight it. You kind of see that you're getting it, but it felt like you know, a game of operation, you know, I'm trying to get the wishbone out of right. the little guy on the ga board game and I'm worried about hitting the sides. Also bookshelf, um, on the, 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 tra I mean, I'm sorry, the airplane, the the airplane air yeah. The, yeah, the airplane when you know, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm like, Oh, book is the, you know, secret button that drove me insane because I thought I was touching and grabbing everything, but that's the one limitation of the telekinesis effect. You know, if I could walk over within VR, I would have naturally try to grab that book. But since I was using the telekinesis feature, I'm literally just moving around to seeing what item gets highlighted so I know it's interactable. So that did kind of sour things a little bit. I did get a little frustrated where I'm like, hey, uh, this feels a little too trial and error because you're solving a puzzle based on someone else's idea of what a puzzle is, you know, as far as order is most logical for an illogical puzzle you know you have objects you know i have multiple screwdrivers and i'm trying to figure out okay i have these three things to do in this order but really without trial and error would i ever come to that conclusion in the real world if you know what i mean if i was in a real escape room in person right. i don't think i would have come to the same conclusions that the game expects me to make mm, interesting yeah that totally makes yeah. sense yeah um I, I love that level. That level on the on the plane is one of my, I like. It's probably one of my favorite oh. levels. Uh, that one I, I do like. Okay, so the other one that got me caught, the one that I got caught on the uh, the longest probably was when you're in the wine cellar of the chateau, <laughs> and you have to figure out how to not get killed by this poison gas at the end. So the guys are coming in the door, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like put in the poison gas. It took me a while. Uh, I almost broke down at that one. I almost was like, "What?" the hell i gotta go to reddit and figure this out figured it out <laughs> in the end because i was just like playing around with it basically and i realized oh hey you can like pump the gas so that it gets out just enough but it doesn't get enough that it kills you so that's how i finally figured that one out but that was like one that was the trickiest to figure out that didn't feel so obvious in the end that i was an idiot that one was like a tricky one did you have did you have any problem with that one yeah, even including like when you have to open up the multiple like um, wine jug mm -hmm. things. Uh, I, I forgot the proper mm -hmm. term, term, but it just felt a little awkward. I'm like, hold on, I'm supposed to make these spill. Okay, I'm supposed to hit this button. It, and it, once again, it felt like using the telekinesis separated me from the object. Because I swear, uh, if I could have moved up to it, I would have naturally tried to, hey, let me just twist this. Oh, perfect. I'm getting the result I wanted. So that was the only problem. It just seemed like a lot of times I'm just scanning. And I'm just like, okay, let's mm. see until my cursor changes color. Okay, that thing mm. is important. Let me see what it does. So yeah. that, I'll admit it. I, I had to look up that one. <laughs> <laughs> that I know, I will act like <laughs> I remember I, I did that in the first game, but this game I was like, I'm not doing it. 
every time I did it, like I maybe did it once in the first game or something like that, and I was like, oh, it was so obvious. I just needed to trial and error a little bit longer. Thing. And so I this game, I was like, nope, not doing it. I'm going all the way through no matter how long it takes. I'm glad I did because at the end, it figured it out. It was a little frustrating at times, though. Yeah, I felt like I cheated myself in a way. I'm like, oh, let me look up the answer. I'm like, no. The whole theme of the game is trial and error and that exceptional moment when you finally break through and you say, I got it. So I did feel like I cheated myself of a couple of experiences. But at least I had a couple surprise and delight moments where I mean, the exploding cigars or the mm. the scorpion sandwich, you know, those awkward moments. Because I love that you get eaten the game. But I thought the eating mechanic and the drinking mechanic would have fit more into the story. Like at one point, I you know, I drank some champagne. I'm like, oh, no, what if the champagne is poisonous? Or yeah. even, like then nothing happened. You know, like those kind of moments where I anticipated another layer of interaction. Uh, even at one point, I thought maybe I could make the cork explode, you know, to shoot something. I was like, hey, if I could make the shake mm -hmm. the champagne, but it, it wouldn't it didn't have carbonation. You know, I could pop the cork and pour a drink and drink an imaginary drink, but it didn't really fit into the puzzle, which caught me off guard. You know, cause the first time I ate something I'm like, hey, I could pick up this little soda. Let me drink it. Oh, I could eat an orange. But it didn't seem like any of those interactions really had any, yeah. you know, standing, um, any grounding in the game. No, yeah, that's for sure. Um, did you have a favorite level? I think the elevator. No, 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 not the elevator. Mask. I think the discovery of the, you know, the automatically face changing mask and voice changer where you have to kind of hack it or whatever. That felt uh -huh. very old school. It made me feel like I was in a Mission Impossible. You know, I'm using a solder and iron to put chips okay. back together and only have a couple it reminded me of the mission impossible masks that they have you know it's like a little case they hit a button and it formulates this really cool mask it felt like that moment where i'm trying to program it and reset it in time before the bad guys show up that i think that was one of my favorite moments and i had a chance oh, to yeah. use multiple tools to get it done and you have to think it through it's like oh here i think i know what this thing does and then it worked that was a fun one it felt very logical and it was satisfying to complete that Although it was, I, I did find it was tricky to figure out that the bear would shoot uh, the arrow into the bad guy. The only reason I knew that is because I spent so many freaking so, so many so much time in there trying to find this damn screwdriver that I had, like tried. Oh, I was like, oh, this has got to be it, like the bear. So I spent an hour on the bear, you know, and then didn't, <laughs> didn't have the right part of the game. But yeah. Also, the costumes. Um, I, I didn't notice any major interactions related to the costumes. There's just a couple lines of dialogue that would acknowledge if you put on something different. But I, I assumed, you know, all these different hats would do a little bit more. Um, how did you feel about that? Because it seemed like we had hats and fake mustaches. Mm -hmm. I, I always thought that it was going to let us do a little bit more than they offered. That threw me off yeah. at times. Yeah, like, for example, like the mustache in the theater, like if you wore that and they didn't recognize you or something like that. The, it, the, the places that it does make a difference is when you put on those electronic masks and you see the yeah. infrared scanning and then it gives you clues um, according yeah. to that. Those were moments that it really helped. And then um, when you have to, in the theater, you have to put on the ear to understand yes, yes. what to do next. So there are moments that they do it, but for sure they don't do it enough, as much as they could. Uh, you know, um, it feels like it, again, it's sort of what you're saying. Like it's limited. Like the like enemies have 
very specific path to follow. There's no improvisation along the way. It's a very narrow scope of what uh, can be done in the game. And they don't, you don't get off the path very far, let's just say. Yeah, sometimes they would cheat it a little bit. You know, if I hit the wrong button and the bad guys kind of notice something, like, okay, we'll start the show, you know, the stage set up at the beginning, you know. Hey, if you hit the wrong button, they'll just skip a whole bunch of steps and just start the show. Like, there were some times where I made a mistake and, hey, it looked like I advanced the plot. But then I felt like, oh, no, I advanced it, but then I kind of missed out on the level of interaction. You know, where let's say, for example, you're pretending to be the audio and I'm at the set on, on the stage. And I'm like, okay, I'm playing the part of the audio and lighting person. And at times, you know, I had a little bit of interaction, but then I realized, hey, um, is this it? You know, it, it did feel like, hey, um, I skipped about, I skipped it a few times because let's say I open up the stage lights or whatever at the wrong time, they would have a skip feature built in. But they didn't really adapt any other way. They'll just say, hey, we'll skip right. three steps ahead. Uh, right. In a way, I felt like I cheated myself once again. I'm like, hey, I, I did the wrong thing. But instead of it escalating the interaction, it just pushed it forward. You know, I expected, mm -hmm. oh, the bad guys are going to jump out and get me now. So they just skipped ahead a couple minutes, essentially. But right. That did get a little frustrating at times. Right. Yeah, the only, the only interaction they'll give that would... Um acknowledge that you've done something different is when you're in the wine cellar and you if you send up the wine before he asked for it he's like you're a mind reader wow look at that you know like that's that's the only time that there's any kind of improvisation to your action that was funny the wine cellar cracked me up because i swore like the cheese would mean something because you could literally chop up little slices of cheese right so i'm thinking oh maybe he's gonna ask for a food order i was assuming i was gonna have to do all these extra steps but once again it was just like oh just a glass and a wine bottle i just felt like there could have been another level for those interactions objects are grabbable and i could do things with them i wish they could have tried a little more with them yeah yeah for sure did like uh, the one um, thing that I I was a little bit like oh no I hope they're not ripping off all these games because there was the Half Life Alex thought it, it, the same kind of a puzzle you have to turn circuit and then it will turn the circuit and then you'll be able to open up the thing you know um, I feel like I was like oh well they got that read out of Half Life Alex you know but they but they didn't go too far into that they mainly stayed to their own stuff there was like one or two puzzles that I was like, oh, that's pretty derivative of this other game. But generally speaking, I think they're really inventive and really fun, and they came up with a lot of their own stuff. But maybe you recognize that from Half-Life Alex. That's a hard one, because there's a certain language for these kind of escape room games. Um, so that's the thing. Like, There's always going to be certain levers and buttons and little twisty dials. So it's a question of which order they give them to you in and which context. I think that was the main thing. It's like, hey, I don't mind if I have to turn like three dials and hide the little thing to connect a circuit or whatever, but I don't want to feel like I'm repeating the same task. And that did happen at times in this game where I'm like, oh, okay, so it's another random lever. You know, it's like, okay, I'll do lever one, two, and three, or should I do three, two, and one? You know, which order? Um, so I didn't feel like there was as much variety at times. You know, it's just like it was variations of the same kind of puzzle. Death traps, though, that's what added the extra variation. Sometimes, you know, hey, I didn't expect gas to come out of this thing. I didn't expect the cigar to explode. So there were a lot of those at least surprising moments to kind of break it up a little bit. Right, right, right. Totally. 
Um, cool. All right. Well, anything else to add? And if anyone else here has anything to say, Ram G or Doug uh, or Doug or anyone else, uh, use the raise hand option. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Ram G is like, nope. All good. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's move right along then to our favorite. Wow. 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 Wow, the wow score. It's wow score time. Uh, we haven't done a wow score in a long time. I feel like we haven't done a review in a while now because we've had a lot of guests. Um, oh, yeah. But here we go. 10, uh, ten wows is like, this is the greatest thing ever. What do wows is like, what the hell did I just play? Uh, where do you sit on the wow score, Mr. Future? Well, it's my first time experiencing the game since you know I didn't play the original. Um, overall... <laughs> I loved many aspects of it, but I did want a little bit more um, in different layers. You know, when it comes to interactivity and also just the time and complexity of the puzzles, I wanted a little bit more. But I mean, it's a great experience. I mean, I would give it maybe, I would give it a solid eight. And that's because they did promise that there's going to be additional downloadable content coming. And I'm assuming they did the same thing last time around where you got maybe like three extra missions at no additional charge. So, with that promise, I could give it a solid eight because I think a lot of new people to VR will find a comfortable experience. They're going to have a novel, fun time. And I think it is something shareable, something you could put on the screencast for other people to kind of interact with. Like you can almost use it as a party game in many ways. If people physically present, it's like, hey, let's send it up to the TV, Chromecast it or whatever, and everyone could kind of play along. Uh, so I do see there, there is a future that direction. I'll give it a solid eight. Okay. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. You're talking about a, a, a party game. Imagine this as an escape room multiplayer game. Well, mm. that is where you create a party out of it, right? It's like you have five people in an escape room and the room's closing in on you and you got to figure out how to get out. That would be really cool. Um, okay, so I'll score. So I, I think that because of the fact that I did play the first one and because of the fact that it's sort of same exact thing, and the fact that um, it's kind of a continuation of a kind of virtual reality game that was developed seven years ago, as opposed to the ones that were developed three years ago that are now hitting the market. I think that it kind of stagnated on its development in a certain way. So having said that, I still think it's super fun. I got super addicted to it. I wouldn't stop until it was done. It was done so quickly that I was kind of like waiting for the next one already. And so, so I think there's one of two things. Either it needed to give me a little more grist for the build. It needed to give me a little bit more than I did for the first one. Or it just needed to give me more levels to be able to figure out and keep playing. And I think that would have um, been at a higher score for me. So in the end of the day, I'm giving it a pretty solid still. Not great. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Uh, and yeah. I, I think that if I hadn't, I think the first game I gave a higher score to. So if this was my first experience, I think I probably would have given it higher. But because I had already had an original experience, I was ex I was like hoping it would one up itself. And I don't know if it quite one up itself. It kind of kind of continued along the same path. I completely agree. I, I almost want to buy the original game just to give it another shot. And possibly just play them back to back, see how they connect. 
I think as a, a package, you know, if they offered them as a bundle, this would be mm-hmm. a great value. You know, I wish mm-hmm. they had a bundle um, after the new one okay. came out just because of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. If they, if they start doing that, and sure there will be another one because uh, I think what, Zora escaped in the end again, right? And, um, oh, yeah. And our, our guy's still alive. And, um, you know, we'll see what they're able to pull off next time. But, um, I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll, because they've making so much money off of these. I'm sure they're going to do at least one more. Then maybe they'll pull out a, tri- a, a trilogy bundle or something like that. That would be amazing. Cause I'll tell you the truth. If you back to back, I mean, that could be like nine and 10 hours of gameplay. That'll be solid value. So fingers crossed. I hope that they will get some of the feedback from consumers and compare it to sales, and try to find that right special mix of features. Cause it, it felt like it was almost there. I'm like, Hey, the old school experience. I've been playing some of these newer games that are a little more when it comes to interactivity and more. So we'll see. I mean, I hope they kind of follow through on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, cool. Well, any uh, any any last thoughts or uh, how could people get in touch with you? Oh well, I'm available on Instagram at Futurosity VR. I'm just always sharing here and there everything I'm interested in. With so follow me anytime. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for teleporting into the broadcast of Simulation Nation, whether you're with us in virtual reality, like uh, that guy up there, that guy over there, Paul, and Futurosity VR over there, uh, or uh, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, watching Glorious Technology. Uh, and remember to subscribe to our Instagram at the Simulation Nation, where we have all these slides up uh, every uh, week. Twitter at Simulation VR. Facebook and Discord, which we are becoming more active on. So do uh, join our Discord. Um, and then join us next time for our 10th episode in our World Builders of Alt Space series with Optic. So we just had a great one with Sushu and Nico, who are sort of old veterans. And now Optic is the new kid on the block who's got some interesting ideas and very cool world. So I'm very excited for that. Till then, A plugged, my friend.